You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my home. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanpodcastnetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also love to dive into a lot of other nerdy topics that we all love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in for episode number 61, Batman Earth One, Volume 3. Now, coming off the hot heels of the award-winning and uh, record-breaking and shutting down the podcast world episode of Kingdom Come is my friend who was also on that episode. He waxed poetic for just over two hours. It is Mr. Minnesota, Mr. Garrett Grav. Garrett, welcome back uh, so soon. I can't believe you're having me back because (laughs) um, you broke the feed on the last show. (laughs) I just talked so much at such length about uh, uh, biblical detail within a 26-year-old comic book that the the, the, the feed just couldn't handle it. No. And, uh, you know, the demand the, was it was high, apparently, I guess. Maybe they liked it. It was great most, to be back. The most damning thing is that we didn't even make it. We made it nine seconds into the intro. Yeah, nine Music seconds. Intro, didn't even hear our voice. And then it was like, yep, you're capped off. Yeah, and, it was uh, the, the demand was too high. Listeners, if, if you don't know what we're talking <laughs> about, <laughs> Lauer was kind enough to have me on uh, the Kingdom Come episode. And um, eagle-eared uh, listeners pointed out very quickly that the what loaded into the podcast feed was only just a, a little snippet. And they were hungry yeah. for more. So Ryan, you know, kicked into action got it fixed up and so far the the feedback i've heard and received has been really positive so that's nice it's a long listen yeah it was it went longer and in classic garrett grab fashion you were so uh worried that you talked way too much and it was like if of any episode that you should talk a lot is definitely a kingdom come you helped explain a lot you brought a you always bring a lot to the table you brought a lot of knowledge to the kingdom come discussion and as for that nine second tease uh, one of my favorite is how the universe lined this up is the greatest practical joke to um, one of our, our, what do you want to say? Most celebrated listeners, if you will, Mr. Ryan, is it powers? Powers, is that just Mr. Powers. Mr. No, powers. Real deal. Who, I don't know anybody else who's been more amped for the kingdom come episode to drop. <laughs> no. I even let him know it was dropping exactly at this time and then nine seconds. And then he had to wait basically 12 hours until he was so upset, like in the days <laughs> preceding, it was just this constant harassment harassment on Twitter, like yeah. release the Kingdom Come episode, you cowards. <laughs> it was like there it oh, is. Nine no, seconds. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I was it's one of those things if I know it was on my end, and we'll get moving along here in a second. It was on my end somehow. I don't understand I don't know what happened, but uh to wake up and to I had definitely more than four messages to me from a variety of people like, Hey bro, check your feed. Uh, uh, and then an angry tweet from, uh, from Mr. Powers there. Powers. Yeah. And I checked it and I mean, it on my angle, on my end, it's a, you know, it's kind of like, God damn it. How did I do this? It's so embarrassing, but no, um, raise the hype. The hype level rises. I guess, I guess a, a joke I wasn't prepared to tell, but 
there it is. You joker, you. Now we're not joking in that we knew that we were that we were going to have to cover this, that you were going to come back. We just didn't know. I hadn't, for some odd reason, I just didn't know that the Kingdom Come episode was dropping like right after, or yeah, that it was going to be a double shot of a, a double dose of Grev for on the Batman book club of Kingdom Come. And then, cause we knew that we had to get like, this is the earth one, Batman earth one stories. They've been yours. Right. The third yeah. one we knew that that's yours whenever, whenever it comes out. And then it came out and we were like, we can't sit on this. Right. The hype level. Yeah. Too high. I didn't it's, know. <laughs> it's didn't taking know. over the comic book world. Jeff oh Johns gosh. does it again. Oh, Gary Frank does miss. it again. Brad doesn't Anderson miss. does it also again. No disrespect to John Siebel because he's on there too. He gets third right. credit or a third name uh, spot on the book. Um, so bless his soul too. He does a great job. But we just thought uh, we needed it. Let's dive into this. Let's let's get this to where everybody I think wants to talk about it. And Garrett, there's a lot of a lot to talk about. Oh boy, is there. So there's not much history behind this book right here. It just came out. Yeah. Written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Gary Frank. Because they get uh credits on the book, inks were by John Siebel or Cybal, I apologize. And then also colors by the the one and only Brad Anderson, who um Colorists don't necessarily don't get the kind of fame that the writer and artists do, but I mean, take a look at Gary Frank's art, not colored, not inked, and then see and compare it to the final product. And you'll like, you can definitely understand how instrumental uh, those two, the inker and the colorist are, especially Brad Anderson, who typically works with the Frank Johns team on all their books too, and definitely t- ramps up to another level. So they're like definitely valid to, to bring their name up. Uh, usually for this show, Garrett, we do a, Hey, why did you choose this book? Hey, when, when did you first read it? Hey, this and this, we we're going to skip all that. Yeah. We know what's I, up. I chose this book because we knew we needed to, uh, cap off, which allegedly is the concluding entry in a trilogy of Batman mm. earth one, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And I first read it, uh, last week, as soon as it was in my hot little hands from the Amazon <laughs> prime delivery guy. <laughs> We, I, so I'm, yeah, that's a good place to start it. And then we can, we can work our way toward that ending of in the Batman in May episode with Pete there in the legends of the dark Knight physical copy issue. It, there's a full page ad that says that this is the final volume of the best selling trilogy trilogy or a best selling series. And so I read like, I hadn't seen this anywhere. A lot of us haven't seen this being hailed. It's like, this is it. This is the last one. I mean, it's been six years. So I, when I finished the book, I tweeted out actually to Gary Frank. Uh, and I said, no spoilers, but, and I sent a picture of, of that ad. And I said, is, is this ad true? Specifically the left side. And he said, they didn't know that that was going to, that that was being printed, that that was being said. So honestly, I don't know. So there you have it. No idea if this is the end of the Batman earth one series or not. We can have some thoughts as we talk and get toward the the ending of what we think. So it was hard for me to think. So opening this up, that this is it, that this is the final one. Now, Mr. Grev, we can hop however you want. You want to go through the story. You want to touch on characters. Kick us off, my friend. Where do you where do you want to begin? I, you know, I think let me start with some initial thoughts. Sure. Um, and these won't be concluding thoughts. They'll be initial thoughts. 
Well, maybe through the lens of having read the whole thing. I think um, I was very surprised on my first read to see what this story was doing with Bruce. Because in volumes one and two, we were very focused on a Bruce Wayne developing into Batman. He was uh, skinning his knees. He was missing ledges. He was really bad at being a detective. And, um, you know, in the first volume, you sort of saw him getting his fighting prowess and how he was going to physically confront crime underneath him. You know, a, a lot of allusions to his training with Alfred and then actual fight with Alfred. Um, and then in volume two, uh, you know, Detective Gordon at that time is giving him a hard time for not being a very good detective. So I assume, oh, volume, he got better at fighting by the time it got to volume two, volume three, we're going to see him get better at the detective work. But this, this volume doesn't really focus on Bruce's development in his skill set as Batman. There's a lot more focus and we can save some of the details for later on his development as a crime fighter and his approach to crime crime fighting, not just as a, a solo mission with Alfred on, you know, the phone, mm-hmm. giving him Intel or whatever, but his approach to building out a team and a larger effort also as Bruce Wayne to make a positive impact in Gotham. So I think that was, that was really interesting in some ways, Batman earth one volume three felt a little bit more like Batman earth one volume two, part two to me. Um, which it, it, I was surprised by it. I think on my first reading, you know, I called you and we didn't get into it because we wanted to be able to record a lot of this conversation and not, you know, say things on the phone that we forget now to bring up on mic because we already had that yeah. conversation. I wasn't quite sure in how I felt about it. I knew it was good. I knew it was really good, but I didn't know like emotionally how I felt about what kind of good it was on, on rereads. I'm like, Oh Yeah this actually makes a ton of sense to me. Like this, this is the development of Bruce and the mission different than Bruce, the individual crime fighter. Mm-hmm. I was expecting Bruce, the individual crime fighter. And I got the, of the evolution of Bruce and his mission and how he was going to make a difference in Gotham. And there's a lot of, I think, interesting detail in there. For sure. So that's inter- So you saying that I think summarizes quite well that I think all three volumes of the Batman Earth One line was not as soon as it was done. I was high kicking, high fiving every stranger I saw. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the greatest Batman story ever. It's like it becomes almost an acquired taste where yeah. instantly, you know, like I felt I can't speak for anybody else. I felt this is good. But dot, dot, dot. Right. And I didn't know what to say after that. I didn't know how to defend my 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 point of view. Uh, but I'm like, I needed some time. So I finished it. But I, I my first read of this was not the best because I got it and I was busy literally nonstop all day into the late, late hours slash early hours of Wednesday morning that I could finally crack it open and start reading had a long, long day and finally started reading it. And I knew that I was starting to like, eyes were getting heavy. I'm like, I need to put it down and finish this early in the morning. It doesn't bode well when there's something new Batman that's, that's hyped. You're like, no, I need to watch it now. I need to read it now. Right. I cannot go to sleep until it's done. Yeah. You got to be in the right headspace though, too, man. Like yes. you got to be able in a position to absorb it properly. And if it's 2 AM and 
you're a sleepy little bear, man. I don't know if there's a lot of content that's going to be <laughs> exactly you know, and that, where you're going to be able to digest it in the right way. Falling asleep to Batman is just like the, the perfect way to fall asleep for sure. But if it's that's what Catwoman says, you need to. <laughs> but so I woke up in the morning and I finished it, but then I just attributed my thought, my dot, 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 my ellipsis to, well, last night, I think I just wasn't, I was just so in and out of it because I was so exhausted. I need to sit and reread it again when I know I can sit and just read it with no interruption. And I did. And knowing where the book went, the second read connected dots, justified actions. And then I did a final read of, I read all three books basically in one day. That is a mission. Uh, It was, it was a speed read for sure. Uh, But I'm with you on, it is good. I have come to realize that I think my critiques are more so I just don't prefer that as opposed to it doesn't make sense. No, that's, that's, I think that's right on, man. And I would say there's been some of that for me in every volume of yeah. Earth. No, it, we don't need to get into it because listeners can go back into the feed and, and check out earlier um, episodes where we talk about volume one and volume two. Volume one, you know, the first time I read it and as I reread it, even like the second time, I knew what I was looking at was high quality. I didn't know how much I liked it because I had, nits to pick that had to do more with me than the book rereading I got over that a bit um, and even when we recorded I'm like god man I like this book I feel like I was so negative but that's always my concern you weren't I had and to then, keep telling you you were not yeah. negative like <laughs> you think you were but then when I got to volume two I enjoyed volume two so much more because the rules of this universe you know sort of the setting that the story was going to take place in volume one did all that hard work it did yeah. it, i mean it was basically in some ways a volume of exposition to what expect what to expect in this earth one batman universe so batman earth one volume two got to play you know really much more organically for me and i enjoyed it a lot more than volume one and i don't know that that's a popular opinion not that it matters to me um but it's sort of like it is that thing of once you know what to expect, you can kind of move past maybe what you had built up in your head or what your own personal biases or preferences are and just take a look at what the story is doing itself and does that work within mm-hmm. the story that the writer and then obviously the visual landscape that the artists are trying to present to you. Yeah, I, I don't know what the general like the census is of uh consensus whatever of volume one to volume two i prefer volume two to volume one volume one's good i i really really like volume two uh but here to build on your starting with bruce let's start right with bruce there's some kind of inner evolution going on in the first two volumes that i felt was not happening here i almost felt like and that's not in like this is lacking uh, that this, it's not that this story is lacking. It, it seems like we jumped into the the team aspect, can't do this alone. And I feel like, oh, we are missing that chapter from volume two to volume three. Mm-hmm. Batman, he was Batman Bruce. He was very headstrong in the first two volumes. He's going to do this alone. Hell or high water, he's going to do it his way. Alfred takes a shotgun to Mayor Cobblepot. And Bruce is like, nope, no guns. No guns, no killing. No. <laughs> Like, and it's his way, damn it. 
he goes to Lucius Fox to get some of his weapons, but then it's a mission on his own. And then he basically opens up this book saying, I can't do this alone, Alfred. I, I need, it can't be in two places at once. I need help. I need soldiers, men and women like Waylon. We'll get to him. People who have been overlooked and forgotten outsiders, outsiders, it, that panel, the one word of outsiders quickly was like, oh, building toward Batman and the outsiders. Like right. I couldn't, and, and I'm not any kind of expert on like reading the comic books of Batman and the outsiders, but I'm aware that Batman builds up a team and has a team. And as soon as it said that, I was like, oh, is that where we're going with this book? Yes. Yeah. And no. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I, I don't think this, this larger volumes one through three don't hit you over the head with here's the moment Bruce changes his mind. Yeah. But when you look back to volume two, Bruce saying like, hey, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to be a one man war on crime. Like, yeah. no, you're not. You already aren't mm -hmm. because you've got Jessica Drake. You've got or sorry, Jessica Dent. Um, you've got um, Harvey. Well, Harvey kind of, but definitely Commissioner Gordon. You've got Alfred. You've got Lucius. You've got Waylon. Like they are all part of this team in some way they're working together in some way they're interacting in some way they're influencing the mission in, in some way i think volume three jumps a little bit into bruce saying i need to formalize these individuals into a team and be a cohesive unit but if you look at like everybody that was in the mix at the end of volume two but they're all kind of there, right? Like yeah. you really get things ramped up towards the end of the book. And we can talk about that later, but like they're all sort of in the mix. It's just Bruce is verbalizing it differently in the beginning yeah. of volume three. And it just, it just feels like something's a little absent there for me and all rereads. I felt the same. So I'm like, okay, my instinct was, yeah, this was my instinct from first read. It didn't really change. And it actually, my from my first read to my last it i don't really think anything my feelings haven't changed on anything but it's i think it, it became more of like okay am do i think it doesn't make sense or am i justifying it or am i just accepting it uh maybe all three i don't know sure. but sure. in the end i don't have problems with it either because it's definitely all... changed his mind to some extent during that one month after harvey yeah, I keep wanting to say Drake. I almost said Harvey Drake. I was Harvey like, we Drake. We were talking about Tim Drake in the group text earlier. Um, in the one month since Harvey Dent's death, Bruce has had some sort of change of mind, right? Because yeah. he's saying things he certainly wasn't saying before. Which is also another thing to, or funny to believe. This story takes up a, a month after the events of Volume Two, and Volume Two was six months after Volume One. So, are we still in Batman Year One? Yeah. Like that, that's kind of, that's kind of wild. Uh, that's the yeah. most accelerated uh, pace. If you want of Batman, if you want to break it down that way, it's not a huge deal uh, at yeah, all. Cause it, it, it kind of feels like the stuff coming together is much more like a Batman year three, year yeah. four type stuff, particularly when you get to the end of the story. But, you know, maybe just maybe Ryan to, to what the um, marketing campaign was saying the end of this trilogy, maybe Batman Earth One volumes one through three are as a trilogy devoted to the first year of being Batman. Yes. And then maybe it's Batman and the Outsiders, Earth yeah, One, Volume One. Be. That's a mouthful. 
There it is. That's a, <laughs> the longest title in publishing going, Batman right? The Outsiders, Earth One, Volume 15. Uh, so this book, it does play to what is pretty much hinted at at the very beginning. Bruce of like, he can't do this alone. And you see the different sections that that branches out to of uh, on the public persona side, he hasn't given up on Jessica Dent. Um, and using philanthropy and using his money, the Bruce Wayne way of trying to help rebuild Gotham and bring Gotham up like his parents were. He's also got Alfred as his constant. He also now is uh, Team Killer Croc, which that guy, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He may have stole the show for me. Awesome. I love, love this version of Killer Croc. I think yeah, we talked about great. in volume two on how I can get tired. I like Killer Croc, but I can get tired of the of the stories with Killer sure. Croc because it's like he's almost like he's in the mob and then that's kind of it. Or he's yeah. a big crocodile and he's just biting people and then that's it. And it's like this right. is something that's different. I love that they're they're allies. And not to mention John's written him really, really well, I think. And he's just so damn likable. And I love the 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 uh, banter back and forth constantly between him and Alfred. That's the thing for me. I thought that played so well. Mm -hmm. And especially like, you know, when I'm taking my time and reading a book, um, which I, I went through this a bit more slowly on my second read, I like to do the little accents in my head. So I've got like, uh, you know, Alfred's kind of rough, I think like Cockney accent type thing I was doing for him in my brain. And, the, and then Waylon's like growl and they're back and forth, like giving each other a hard time. And you know, as it gets into the, and it gets sweeter as things go on. Right. So yes. we have, besides kind of building out the team in general, um, we also get a bat dog in that dog. And that interaction <laughs> was so sweet when like, you know, Waylon's like, you know, what do you call him? He's like, bad dog. He's like, he's like, you can't call him that. And then he turns in and Bruce comes. He's like, what's this little guy's name? And Alfred's like, bat dog. You know, like, it was so good. <laughs> those little details. I, I think there's, there's some really kind of sweet bits where, um, you know, you get a little bit of uh, not lightheartedness, but the the mood shifts just up a little bit when those two are, are on the page together. That was a, a real delight. Yeah, this and you have this, you know, this scary monster looking man who saves the day of this like, oh, you feel for this poor little pooch. Right. Um, who's getting kicked by these scumbags. Uh, and then, yeah, what, what's he say? Oh, that they would... Um, duct tape they got duct tape to duct tape the dog's mouth shut and then how killer croc says think duct tape will keep my mouth closed and yeah. then you, you turn the page you know on the other two guys and then i don't know just like just that his relationship with the dog is the most heartwarming part of this entire book totally of, of all earth one batman i think i, I think I, so i love I that so. this is substitute ace i'm good with it i love it um Another character teased at the end of the at last book was Catwoman. So we knew Catwoman was going to play, um, was going to be in, in this story in some regard. And I think the character of Catwoman, I mean, we don't get Selena Kyle. We get Catwoman in this book. It is uh, very true to Catwoman character. She's totally. towing the line of ally and enemy. Yeah. Here self-interest yeah, more, morally gray self-interested but still like comes through when the time is needed i you know what i meant to do this and i didn't have time i meant to go back and look through the book to see if we actually get the name catwoman or if we just get cat we I'm get cat, you're we a get bat. a cheshire 
I think uh, yeah, Gordon says a Cheshire cat. Uh, yes, in which our our pal Jersey's finest Peter Arvera, he said Cheshire to me in about like that it showed when he was telling me about finishing the book and he said with Cheshire and I'm like, wait, who is that? And he's like, are you serious? Did you not read the book? I'm like, yeah. And there's a DC character named Cheshire. And that's who I thought Pete was talking about. And so right. I'm like, no, I did not see this character in the story. And then it was like, oh, no, it's when Gordon says it's a Cheshire cat. Oh, okay. So let's just get this out of the way with Catwoman right now. Oh, yeah. The as I've looked around online and there's some early reviews from different YouTubers, like the costume design is controversial. Fans yeah. are divided. Okay. Um, it's a very untraditional mm-hmm. design for Catwoman's costume. Got a big silly Cheshire cat on it. And, uh, you know, it's split up. There's, you know, somehow more skin than Catwoman shows at, at you know, the normal uh, intervals uh, yeah. in the comic books. Um, but it's also not like super revealing. Like she doesn't have a plunging neckline like we've seen in other iterations. But the cat mask is a bit more cartoonish. You know, she's got a paw logo on the belt, kind of like high roller derby type socks. And the mask is just a little bit different, as I said. So what did, what did you think about the costume design itself? Because I think the characterization was right on. Characterization is right on. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost like a little mixed, but this is what happens with the whole Earth One reread itself is Batman's costume is kind of the only comic book look of any of the characters in Batman's world. So in previous books, you, I mean, people argue right now of what we're getting teased for, of the Riddler for the Batman. It's like Batman Earth One Volume 2 Riddler, you could have said that's not the Riddler. Like their their approach to this oh, world. Just is like people so, are saying the yes. Riddler in the Batman promo images isn't the Riddler, right? Like Exactly. Hmm, and similar. so, and it's like, no, in Volume 2, that's the Riddler. That's the Riddler. It's this version's Riddler. May yeah, not be the one you love, but this is the Riddler. So, and it is the real Riddler of this universe exactly it's not proto riddler it's not riddler in his first iteration that's the riddler in this story so in approaching so even the penguin from uh the first volume, volume yep. i mean he's in a tuxedo so you're like oh yeah that's the penguin and got, he a, had schnoz. A, got a schnoz so you could say okay that's the penguin but as far as comic booky like not too over the top you know with uh penguins walking around with you know rockets and rocket backpacks so in realizing <laughs> yeah. that with this Catwoman, it's kind of like this Catwoman fits in with this earth these versions well let me ask i'm you used to the full garb right the, the whole full deal. thing and doesn't need a tail but Catwoman's no. got some kind of mask that gives her ears and she's got claws and she's got a whip that to me is Catwoman. and so here she's got a whip uh i don't know if she has claws actually i don't think and we ever see her use she's claws. got a mask with ears so two out of the three and you look at it and you could see, like can you look at this image and say Catwoman? i think you can yeah so, let me ask so this is what i was thinking this is why i asked why i wanted sure. to go back and look it took me forever see. to answer a simple question no 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 <laughs> hey that's the point of a podcast all you do is talk on podcasts that's the whole deal um the reason why i wanted to go back and look through and see if they actually if we actually got the name Catwoman is because the coloring in the costume design. And then as we flash flash forward to the end of the book, Mm -hmm. the updated Catwoman or cat costume that she has, I got some real Huntress vibes out of it. And I don't know if that was intentional or not. 
But being that this is a different Earth, I was wondering if in Batman Earth One, we don't have a true Catwoman character. We have a, a hybrid, an amalgamation of Catwoman and Huntress because that's awful. So if I, I'm looking at, I want to say it's um, five pages, listeners, if you have your copies, like five pages before the end of the book, there's a big double page spread. Um, you're in the bat or the, the bat cave, the Batmobile. Batman is, you know, up on the walk space above looking down. You got mm-hmm. Catwoman in the bottom left corner, just past whatever this bat cycle is. That looks like the Huntress, but it's definitely the Catwoman we've had in this book. So, I mean, as we're doing different things with these characters and sometimes you get a different version or characters get smushed together. I don't think we explicitly heard Catwoman. This feels like a, a kind of a combo character and, you know, clearly is aligned with the heroes hanging out in the Batcave as Alfred's giving him a, a mission briefing or something here. So in I don't that, know. I mean, the color scheme, purple is definitely a Catwoman color. Look at yep. her history. Uh, so that works. The black in there is good. Um, so in the end, I think that Frank draws, he draws a good Catwoman. Um, and she's true to character. That last image that you're talking about, the big two-page spread, I I got, I didn't get the Huntress combination at all. And I don't disagree. Now I'm going to think of that every time I read it. I'm like, yeah, that's like a Huntress combo. Well Kind of, right? But her at the end sitting there, I get total Julie Newmar vibe. Julie Newmar. That's yeah. the pose, the body language, everything. The yeah. hair with the mask and all of it just seems yep. to me like that's Julie Newmar. Gotta and Julie be, right? Newmar, I think I've said on podcasts before, as a little boy watching Batman 66 reruns on our local Fox affiliate, Julie Newmar was like one of the first times that I looked at a woman and thought like, there's like stirrings her. in my bat belt. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like that is doing something for me. That's like, you know, I've, I like her in a way I'm not totally familiar or comfortable with, but I definitely like this. You're just like mommy, daddy, something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what's going on here. Yeah. All right, son, come here, little G. Let's have the talk. Let's have a talk. You're a very young man for this, but apparently it's needed. It's needed. So let's see, move on to Alfred. I think it's a little bit less screen time here. And yeah, uh, Alfred, Gordon, Bullock, uh, definitely Lucius, all way dialed back. And all I separate them from Killer Croc and Catwoman because I don't know, there more is going on with Killer Croc and Catwoman than the others i think and i'm i don't know if this if i tag this is a little disappointed but alfred seemed to me is almost kind of like slightly annoying because he's just constantly negative nancy yeah kind of i also i also really sort of enjoyed this alfred that's like okay. i'm your main man dude like i've been taking care of you since you were a little boy what are you gonna do hang up on me for this gordon guy what are you gonna do tell me to connect you to to like oh hey alfred i need you to patch my call through to jessica dent like really this is the role i'm i have like yeah i started this with you i raised you i trained you and now like alfred having a little bit of resentment into just being you know at times another one of batman's partners and not like his main ally i kind of dug that actually True. And I think that brings an element, an understandable element of, so you just said all of that of like, I'm your, I'm your guy. Um, and then Bruce is hanging up on him because Jim Corden's calling. I mean, that right. part's relatable for all of us. It's like, no, no, no. Like Garrett, no, no, like no. right now you cut me off on the podcast because, because uh, Justin Kowalski's calling you. And I'm like, uh, sir, right. I called dibs on you for the podcast first. Don't hang up on me for Justin Kowalski. Um, totally. 
now if it was the aquaman himself eric holzman totally understand right <laughs> totally get yeah. it but i guess that's a, yeah that's a good layer and he's and i say like annoying like slightly annoying because it does kind of seem like it's constantly like a negative and it's constantly that pushback and it's but some of that is it's like very uh but he's spitting the truth at you bruce like totally definitely think about what he's saying though because that's true and as definitely in the reread of the previous two volumes i mean there's a concern with alfred even always of like bruce like you need to shut up and stop letting people know who you are and when you go back and read all the volumes like holy shit a lot of people know what bruce wayne is up (laughs) to (laughs) yeah it's like the worst kept secret in gotham and just to go back real quick and talk and talk about that um double page spread yeah um with alfred one of the things i liked about this image because there's a lot to take into this image with the alfred that we got that was like hey you're hanging up on me for gordon what do you mean just patch you through to jessica and who's this cat character i'm supposed to interact with like you know what am i chopped liver it was really kind of nice to see on this double spread it's alfred front and center in front of the screen like giving the mission briefing and he has a prominent role among the team like this is a military guy. This is a hard as nails, you know, rough and tumble, grizzled vet. It should be and his position. It where should he be is his in that. Position. That's where he yep. needs to be for sure. Now, I, I do think maybe um, would I have liked a panel or two, uh, potentially, where Bruce says to Alfred, like, you know, you're my number one guy. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, maybe. And then to end up there. But I thought that was a nice little detail to include that. No, Alfred, you're super special, man. You're you're up with the pointer, telling people what they need to do here. You're you're my number one guy. You're special. Um, Gordon and Bullock, I am a little disappointed in, mm, and I, I won't say again because I'm not saying that Johns did not do a good job or anything like that. It's because it it oh, I did, I wanted more to from them. Yes, Gordon just kind of pops in and out. I think kind of small. He does not have an integral role to the story. I don't think. And then Bullock didn't go anywhere no. from last volume. And that was kind of like, I really thought I was fine with, I loved his arc in volume one. I really liked the arc in volume two that had a gut punch at the end of like, he just kind of is starting to get like rising above and then Gordon gets promoted. And so Bullock, you're going to get a new partner. And when she's like, damn it, I need, I need Gordo. Right. And here he's just a drunk. He doesn't have any heroic moments. He talks about he got in trouble once because he had Gordon's back, a guy that was talking shit about Gordon. And uh, but then that's kind of like that's kind of it. And I know that they're juggling a lot of characters and a lot in these 160 pages. To me, though, is just I was really enjoying the journey of Harvey Bullock. And here it's just kind of like, oh, this whole story, you could have not had Bullock. And it had been the same to me. In this one, yeah. And especially if you think about this as a trilogy, um, I think, you know, what what I have liked to see, given we had like, you know, bright, shining, kind of, you know, full of himself, you know, pretty boy, um, pseudo, like minor celebrity TV host Harvey in the first gets brought down by Gotham and the terrible things that he sees takes you know, tries to numb that pain with booze and becomes just a drunk. And then at the end, like you're saying, volume two, it seems like he's on a better trajectory. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see volume three, Harvey, be like, not the guy he was in volume one, not the drunk, you know, kind of loser he had become in volume two, but he's come through this. He's changed. He's a good cop. He's been, he, he's been, you know, roughed 
rough it like his end his edges have been roughed up based on the city and his experiences but he is you know a good responsible cop if a bit mm-hmm. gruff and kind of an a-hole yeah. like that would have been great as like this trilogy <clears throat> for harvey De- or for harvey bullock um but we didn't get that we just kind of got now he's still a drunk and you know he sure liked to do better but he's having a tough time here the like we know through comics and stuff Bullock's kind of a slob. Right. We can definitely insinuate that he likes to drink. But also when we see Gord or when we see Bullock with GCPD and Gordon and stuff, he's he's got his shit together. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not said, drunk no, on the job. Exactly. And like he's kind of a no nonsense and he's yeah, he's kind of a grunt, but really like it's a magnetic drunk. You're drawn to is like that's Harvey Bullock. We just love yeah. we love Bullock and I'm not going to say that we don't like him here, but it just, he kind of feels like, ah, this to me feels a little bit of a waste. I, yeah, I like, wanted better I wish, for you here, Harv. And that again is like, okay, did Johns do anything that's like, nah, I think he missed something in the story here. No, no, no. This is a preference. I think of, I don't think that he's necessary for the story because we didn't do much with him. Yeah. I, this, I, I do think this is a bit of a distinction between what did the story set up in previous volumes and what did this story either deliver or fail to deliver on? Yeah. This feels like a fail to deliver on more so than, Oh, I just don't prefer this approach. Yeah. Like if this was the Harvey book that we always get, he's a drunk, he's pretty unreliable. He's hammered during the workday. That's yeah. fine. But the story really did start to turn in a different direction in volume two. And then it just stopped. So you know what? You only have so many pages. There's a lot of story here to tell. I understand maybe why that was not included or wasn't a focal point, but you know, you could have had this Harvey not be a drunk the whole time and just be where he was at the end of volume two. And I think it would have played better. Yep. Uh, A term, something that you just said, and I am already forgetting, but it triggered of who I want to talk about next. So this is where I want to go next. I want to talk Adrian Arkham. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then I want to if have that a is nice your real name. And then I want to have a big discussion on the dents. Sure. So let's go with Adrian first and how this book opens up in a unique. Hmm. Where are we going with this? And sure. we're in we're in Maine. We're in Stephen King territory. And we get a quote from uh, Shadow of a Doubt. So I was like, OK, that's interesting. Um. But a guy who's drawing a maze uh, in X's and it's revealed that's this old man. It looks like he escaped from a loony bin and he wants to know where Martha is. And then you tease it like this is an Arkham guy, huh? When we find out that it's Bruce Wayne's grandfather, Adrian Arkham. Double A. Um, back in volume one was said Bruce's grandmother uh killed him with a sledgehammer and then she jumped off jumped off the arkham manor mm-hmm. martha's mother uh and then here in this story apparently it's like 50 years later at this point from that incident and it is told to us that he was shot shot no mention of a sledgehammer here Mm-mm. and he didn't there's and this was alluded to before too uh via I think through Harvey Dent when they were younger of the spirits of Arkham, the Arkham spirits are always coming to get the family members. And so Adrian wanted to act as if he was dead. He wanted to hide Martha or something in like, so the spirits wouldn't get, wouldn't Trick get Martha those spirits and, and it'd save Martha's lineage. And so then Adrian comes back 
Bruce wants to help him and Adrian's very much of like the spirits are coming to get you. Uh, and I want to protect you, Bruce. And then at that point, I was, I wasn't sure what I had to, what I, what I felt about Adrian Arkham. Let's not get to the end. Let's talk sure. about before we have the turn spoilers, spoilers, spoilers before there's the turn that he's a villain. Uh, up to that point, how are you feeling on this new character of Adrian Argon? It was one of those things where I'm like, again, to this point of do I, is my response based on preference? Yeah. Where I want, where I prefer Bruce, as he's always been, to be the last of his family. And we're both always on the same page, I think. I know you well enough, and I, I know me pretty well, that I am try to be as open-minded as possible to make right. sure that I'm not disappointed in something because it didn't go how i wanted yeah, it to check your bias bro yes so okay carry on so um i was like "Ooh, i don't know if i'm gonna dig this like yeah. grandpa arkham's back and now <laughs> like what does that mean for alfred what does that mean for like the psychology that bruce has of being like this absolute orphan with no family left raised by a surrogate father and how that influences his connection, you know, in, in other versions to the Robins and everything else. Um, and I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. And they're really leaning into this Arkham madness thing, which I, you know, was sort of like, okay, this is an interesting dynamic, but I don't, I like Bruce to be on a mission and to be driven. I don't really enjoy the Bruce has, is like a crazy dude. You know, is he traumatized? Is he dealing with trauma? Is he trying to prevent others from dealing with the trauma that he had to deal with? Yes, absolutely. But Bruce as a crazy guy has never worked for me. Um, so I was a little bit concerned with that. However, like you, what Johns does just really wonderfully with this character is he uses him as a way to show the compassion and heart of Bruce Wayne. And it's not, it's not just because you we get the 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 work that Bruce is doing with Jessica Dent around, you know, um, turning the Arkham Manor into a homeless shelter and a mental health uh, institute, I think in, in some ways, and definitely later in the book. But you see that Bruce has this big heart um, and wants to help people. And of course, you can say this is maybe tied to this being a family member, but, you know, um, compassion to bring him in, care for how he was treated uh, when he was first discovered and, and brought into whatever the mental health institute pre-existing in Gotham is called. Like, I thought that was really nice because you see a softer side that we haven't been necessarily yeah. exposed to too much in this Earth One universe. Um, so I thought that was good. And I just about to the point where the turn happened had started to accept like, okay, this this is what they're doing here. This is, you know, Batman's, you know, crazy grandpa. And I, I, I kind of like what they're doing. This is intriguing. And then the turn hits you. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this is out of nowhere. I did not see it coming at all. I didn't like, <clears throat> I didn't like the spirits thing. Yeah. Uh, it makes more sense. I think later the spirits. So the spirits thing, when they go in and there's the drawings on the cave walls and um, yeah. you, you get Adrian telling the story about, you know, the first of the Waynes and Arkham's as they came in or the Arkham's when they were building the city, you know, broke into this area where the spirits were and they all <clears throat> got bit up by bats and stuff I'm like that's pretty on the nose that then Batman would become Batman. It actually made more sense for me once you know, you know, what's really going on in the plot. 
Yeah. So let me, let me reword that. So his introduction of like, that's Adrian's motivation purely on that part. I didn't really like, but it works. And I kind of eased up too. Um, so I don't know why I just said 45 seconds ago, I don't like the spirit. That's not <laughs> what I meant. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, um, I know, you know, we, we had said this before we both had some thoughts on the sort of revisionist history a bit on how much they're talking about Martha and struggles yes. with mental health. I wanted to get to that for sure. On there, it's almost like really quick. Um, you'd almost say throwaway lines, but Bruce says in here about his as if Martha had mental issues, and he says my dad never gave up on my mom, and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? The four pages in volume one we saw of Martha with Thomas seemed like the Martha Wayne that we've grown to to know throughout throughout the decades of history the one page of her with little bruce walking by right. the arkham manor it just seemed like that has a bad history and we're just led oh because her parents were killed there yeah, so go, yeah yeah doesn't want to go there and that was the extent of it and then to bring that in here of like we're just throwing out there because i also am one and this is going to be interesting for a future episode i am one i like thomas and martha wayne as being pitch perfect people. 100%. I think it elevates the story of Bruce Wayne and Batman. It, it makes it powerful. And it, that, that to me is just the way for it to go. So for me, and I'm not saying that people like mental illnesses, it's like weakness or any, like anything like that. It's just, it felt like this kind of came out of nowhere for something we haven't seen with, with the, with the Wayne. So that was a little bit of kind of like, am I missing something here? And yeah. And eh. yeah, it kind of, I guess it kind of follows if you think that, you know, as a child, you see your mother kill your father and then take her own life. Like you're probably going to have some issues, Yeah, but I don't know that the story didn't explicitly serve that up for it to be something that gets a bit more pressure in volume three. Like yeah. there wasn't a lot of that in volumes one through two. So yeah, you know, whatever, but I guess it would make sense. I would have some issues if I would have seen some of that, seen oh, yeah. that stuff as a child for sure. Yeah. So I wasn't all in on Adrian Arkham and I was kind of like, what's, what are they going to do with him here? And then he seems like he's losing it at the end. And I think this will read better for me in the future. I do. Um, the, the Adrian part, but then, the big the big finale and it looks like it's a blend of his beard is on fire and he's oh, yeah. melting yeah and i told this to pete that in no way whatsoever and i think i might have told you in no way whatsoever did i predict what was the deal with adrian arkham no no the thought of Clayface popped into my head once while reading this though and i don't remember what part but it was a very like rhetorical question of you know kind of like I wondered if Clayface could do something. And then that was it. I wasn't like, right. oh, I bet Clayface is really behind that. <laughs> None of that at all. But it, it's funny that when he that happened and then the way Johns wrote it to make it work, that's where the rereads, I don't know if it's like, this is exactly what Johns meant or I am trying to make things click. But to me, I think like, oh, this can definitely connect because a method actor such as Basil Carlo would love the challenge of like, nope, I am Adrian Arkham. 
does his right. research, knows the connection of Bruce Wayne and Batman, and he just goes full in on, nope, I'm going to become this person because that's what an actor does, especially a method actor. Uh, they become that character. So it felt like, oh, okay, but then to get from Adrian to Basil, you go through the history. Well, underneath that, we found remnants of Preston Pierce. Underneath I thought this that, was we so left awesome. That, and then underneath that, and that's where it stops. So it's not John saying 100%. Haha, this is ex- that's who this is, but it is a way of like here here are the details you decide. Right. And I think well, and there's all the different versions of Clayface. I thought that was a great um, way to include those. <clears throat> um, it felt like a uh, much more direct on point version of you should go by your first name. I like it. Like mm-hmm. Robin, you know, like you know, like <laughs> this is this wink to like, hey, here's this character. I also thought about like because I had a hard time for a second thinking about like all right, uh, you know, Clayface is really selling the fact that he's Adrian Arkham, even in scenes when no one else is around, which I was like, okay, who's he performing for here then when he's about to burn down Wayne Manor, um, or sorry, Arkham, Arkham Manor, and no one's there to hear him saying say these things. But then as the the you get into the turn and Clayface or who whatever his real name is, is in the police station and they're talking about like, you know, these different layers of fingerprints and the fact that they think he's actually forgotten who he really is. I start thinking like, I don't know the physiology of this version of Clayface. Does does he really start to lose his autonomous personality as he becomes these new characters? Like yeah. what happens to his brain matter? Does his brain matter start to change along with his outward appearance? Which I think so could... because, because Gordon even said with, uh, with Preston Pierce, perfect i think it was preston pierce perfect or his wife had said the week before his death or disappearance or something whatever it was that he was acting he was acting different and then it may have been like matt i think matt hagan that had said like a week before his disappearance like he was he was very out of control and it wasn't like him so it's definitely i think that's almost showing loses himself into these characters yeah that was that was really good um so yeah, in the end, I think it's a cool way to to include Clayface. I also would not have minded to see Clayface go full, full Clayface, Clayface either. Right. The Clayface that we know and his yeah. arms stretching forever and stuff. But that's that I know is me saying what I want as opposed to right. what works in the story. This clearly, I think, did work in the story, although I still had my guard up for a while of like, I just don't know what those... Now, Garrett, the my guard was up completely oh with the dents because oh we boy. talked about at the end of volume two, we liked where we thought this was going. Uh, Jessica Dent's going to become Two-Face. I thought that that was quite brilliant and it brought right. something very new to the table, something definitely did not expect at all. And I'm like, oh, this could be this could be really cool. And the note of, you know, the left side of her face got damaged. The right side of Harvey's got damaged. Two-Face, the left side of Two-Face is what's it's, damaged. It's like, okay, right. so this is adding up that it's going to be Jessica. And at the end of volume two, even, we see what happens to Harvey and he's done. And we see a reporter at his funeral and says, Harvey, I'm at Harvey Dent's funeral. He died. Yeah. And now we're questioning that Harvey is not dead because right. escalation is the theme. Street level crooks are getting high powered weapons and uh, 
Harvey's handing them out, apparently. Harvey's the one that's connecting them. Well, and, you know, to hmm. the point, talking about Jessica and Harvey, <clears throat> you know, having this be a setup where Two-Face was a collection of two twins in some ways, like, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Not just a split persona, but twins taking on characteristics of Two-Face. And then to go where we go here, and I thought it was actually really smart. Um, and thematically, things started coming together again on, on a second read. And I was getting uh, bits and pieces of this on the first one by introducing another character that we know to have died mm -hmm. and has presumably come back in Adrian Arkham first, it starts to change the rules potentially of what is feasible or plausible yeah. in this world. So if Adrian- In this Arkham, gritty, realistic world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's that sort of the thing that allows you to get the readers to go along with the Harvey play later. And yeah. it gets, and, and for Bruce as well. So if you all of a sudden are in a world where uh, someone that we've thought to be long dead is now back and it gains Bruce's trust, not trust, but Bruce, you know, trust that what he's experiencing is real. Now the follow-up to get you to be able to buy into Harvey, who we all saw be super dead in volume two, um, is, is, you know, presumably not dead and carrying out a new mission. Like, oh, that's a that's a nice kind of paradigm shift with Adrian to get you to Harvey. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really smart. There was a couple times along the way um, where I was like, uh, hey, Bruce, you should be getting this faster. You know, we saw Jessica freak out and sound like Harvey at the end of volume two, you know you shouldn't you shouldn't buy some of these twists and turns as easily as you do because bruce goes to her first and is like hey you know harvey somebody's saying that their harvey is doing these things and by the way in the hospital when you were recovering you freaked out on me and you sounded like harvey and he doesn't say do you have a split personality and are you actually an evil version of your brother but you can tell that's a bit what he's edging towards and then he sort of tosses that right away yeah. based on a based on a phone call allegedly from harvey so it felt like bruce mm. should have like pulled that thread just a little bit more but i also get for the story like we want bruce to buy into that like that's what we need to do and that's kind of what adrian um as a plot mechanism was designed to help do yeah and he would be missing out on a lot more fun later if he would have but i'm just like once again this is not the world's greatest detective yet this is the guy a month ago that Gordon was saying, hey, you're not very good at being a detective, are you? So I get it. All right. There's a lot now <laughs> that you brought up. I'm writing them down, so I make sure I go boom, boom, boom. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't all in on, is Harvey Dent alive? I answered like, he's not alive. He's dead. We know mm -hmm. this. It didn't, Was I was 100% convinced. So then I'm like, so when's the reveal that it's Jessica? And I'm not some kind, I'm not the world's greatest detective, Garrett. I'm not Mr. Really? I don't like to try and figure out a story. Oh, yeah. I like to sit back, watch, read whatever, and let it be presented to me. I want to be I, along for the ride. Yep. I don't want to try and outsmart and think and be like, I, because of this and this. And this. I don't, I don't like to do that. So I wasn't trying I never to do that snuck around trying to find my Christmas presents early as a kid. I, I never did. tried to open up the packaging <laughs> to, or the wrapping to get a peek at what was underneath. I, I like the surprise. Mom, I know you're listening. I did. Um, oh, Ryan. But uh, 
so that's just where I was at. And then Jessica, how little damage was done to her face, but she still wore a little bit of a mask. I was like, okay, that's different. That's unique. Yeah. But then we were playing this whole pretty good. Jessica's Jessica's fine. And then you get the Harvey Dent phone call. I want my phone call. And I'm like, okay, that's hard to do. Jessica's there with Bruce. Right. Her phone's ringing. It's Harvey. And Harvey's talking. They both know Harvey's voice. So that's okay. That's throwing us off. Okay. Well, that's that part's interesting. Jessica is in the uh, parking garage. Right. And we see him chest down standing. Sure. That's all we see. Okay. Uh, we realize Harvey Dent's body has been, is not in the casket in the graveyard. And then Harvey is in his body, which does look two-face-ish. Right, because he was burned. Yep. Uh, Looks rotted and disgusting and everything in a car with Jessica. It looks a lot like uh, the Dark Knight Two-Face with, you know, burned through the flesh, exposed tendon and jaw. And I'm checking really quick to see if this is true. Do we get? No. So we don't get Jessica and Harvey in the same panel in that car. No. No. So this and, does, if you're. And you fr- also get an overhead view of them in a police car that for some reason has been half burnt and destroyed <laughs> and is half it's in good shape. straight out of the comics. Two-Face right. and his goons dr- drive right. Two-Face vehicles. Right. Um, and I, I, it was not chest down. It was crotch shot of Harvey in the parking garage. So I apologize. Oh boy. We got some, we got some dent crotch going on there. But okay, so that I'm like, we've seen enough we've read enough of like making of TV show making of media to try and see these storytelling tricks. So these can be seen as hints of we're not seeing Harvey and Jessica together. Is she projecting? Right. And something by the end that with, so with the full page, which I'm turning to show Garrett now in the page reveal of Harvey in the car, the, the got, full page face. Yep. Yes. We've got the, the shadowed version that I glows. You go to Clayface in GCPD with the police. His eye, like that one eye is glowing. The, the left eye. Yeah. And in, in that like really close up panel, he's yeah. got his left eye that glows. And I'm like, that's really similar to the Two-Face part. Totally. So in my head, I'm like, after reading it and reading it a second time, did Clayface... Did he jump in on the phone call? Was he Harvey phone call Harvey? Oh, I was, was he also the body in, in the car with Jessica? Because that eye, it's like, that's just too similar to me. But then Bruce opens the car and the, the dead remains of Harvey Dent falls the out. Corpse falls out. Which to me is like, okay, so that wasn't Clayface. Cause then Clayface ends up coming and hitting him like a couple pages later as Adrian Arkham. So yeah. I, that to me and- is like, these are misdirections, but they're not connecting to where it's justified. There's something for me and the body. I almost feel like the body in the parking lot. That's Jessica projecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, you're right, Lauer. I, I assumed the whole time 
voice on the other end of the phone was Clayface. Okay. Um, and that when we are given some of the visual cues, um, I don't believe that police car is really burned and destroyed half down one side and, and okay on the other. I think we are getting a view inside of uh, Jessica's experience and her mental state there. Interesting point that you bring up with the glowing eye in the police station with Clayface. I, I had not, I had sort of determined that I did not think for me that in the car with her was Clayface because Adrian is up on a ledge yelling at the spirits of Arkham saying he's going to burn that manor to the ground at the same time, mm -hmm. at the same time period. So he's, unless he can like, you know, shoot a big goopy bunch of his arm off and it forms a different fake body or something like, I don't think that's him, but I did think on the phone that was him and he was able to, you know, reproduce the vocal cord sounds of Harvey and everything else. So um, in my mind, the car scene is all Jessica um, hallucinating. Okay. And when she is the Harvey persona, she had put the plan, he, she had put the plan in place with Two-Face to trick non-Harvey Jessica. Mm. So there's, you know, kind of three characters working, hmm. um, two characters working to, to trick both Bruce and Jessica, who also happens to be one half of one of those two characters that are concocting this plot. So it's a lot. Draw a diagram of that. That's there's your Charlie diagram that yeah. we always bring up from It's Always Sunny. Carol, Carol. Carol. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you see, and that's where I know for me that stuff doesn't work as well as I would hope because it's not aha moments. It's kind of like uh, uh. And, and I'm like, that, yeah, fine. Like, eh. And I didn't have anything in my rereads of this that made, instead it was almost, it raised almost too many it's, questions. It's a, too, too many, many questions. questions. It's and a little mushy, right? Answers. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little less crisp than previous volumes. It's a little, it's a little bit mushy. I tend to think, um, and maybe we can start talking about this that given how much this story tries to do as it you know reaches its epic conclusion and then sort of the kind of epilogue pages we get at the end um it's trying to do a lot there's a lot of heavy lifting so i think some things that in other books could have given a couple more pages to flesh out and make it a really clean connection and 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 connect the dots and tie things off very neatly this sort of rounds the edges because yeah. the story is, is we're, we're asking the story to do more with this. And here's how things are going to move forward. So some of that stuff doesn't get buttoned up as neatly as maybe I would prefer it to. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've just felt a little, I don't know. What's the term before disappointed? So I'm not going to say that, but as the hype level for what they could have done with Jessica Dent and Two-Face as a character and what they did do almost felt a little like, hmm, I guess that's a very realistic approach mm -hmm. of it's internal. It's not external. It's not the physical. It's not the aesthetic. It's what's going on in her in her mind, which at the core of Two-Face's character, it's it's mind Mental, first. Right. Uh, but also the it was hard to justify why that why that switch and that turn so we can take the animated series big bad harv they led up to like oh so this was the this was it this is what pushed him over the edge you do the dark knight harvey den 
and I think that there's like, oh, this is what happened. This is what pushed him over the edge. You have in this well, one the turn, the turn in the Dark Knight is a lot. He's he is angry at partners, yeah, um, for what they let happen to someone he loved, and is in enacting or attempting to enact a very specific and small revenge, as opposed to like to go full on supervillain, right? Like it's a yeah. different it's a different mechanism. So here. It's like Harvey's been built up as, you know, he's very aggressive, but on the the right side of the law, aggressive. Like he's sick of of the big criminals and thugs and he wants them in jail. That's his mission. And you, yeah, he may be an asshole, but it's like, but he's a good asshole. And he dies and somehow Jessica then is part Harvey but then it's kind of like, okay, so what's the reason for the chaos in Gotham then? Why is it such a, and I know that there's, because I feel like this book definitely has the most dialogue of the three as well. There's a lot of, not exposition per se, there's just a lot of dialogue between yeah. Yeah, characters here. And it's kind of like, what's the motivation of Jessica Dent, Harvey Dent, Two-Face? You know, and if yeah. that, that didn't, that wasn't a big, like Harvey that we know, he just gets pushed over and he's just like, well, F all. I tried this good fight. It didn't work. Burn it down. Like, and it, it, that doesn't make sense here. That doesn't really work. And I, I don't know the, the source of Two-Face, the reason for Two-Face. So I think, you know, some of that for me is, it, it's not as explicit, but I think it works for me a little better than I'm hearing you say it works for okay. you. In that I think about Jessica losing her twin um, and then like being filled with rage towards the city that took her brother away from her. Mm-hmm. So if you have this, you know, she's, she talks to Bruce and is like, I wish you could have known Harvey the way I knew him. You would have been friends. Like she really admired her brother, even if he was kind of a jerk. Um, and then when the city that, that um, Harvey Dent was trying to save and make a better place ultimately takes his life like something fractures in her at the loss of the twin. And instead of um, thinking about how to seek justice in Gotham, she's like, burn it to the ground. You know, this place destroyed my brother. I'm going to destroy it through any means necessary. I don't think logically all the steps there are there for it to make sense, but I also don't know that they're supposed to be there. I think this is someone whose mental psyche was broken by loss and is intentionally being depicted as responding to it in an uh, an illogical way preach pastor Gray. Nah, i don't here know maybe, maybe i don't um, know just talk out your ass really well garrett I'm <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know how it will play for me in there will be rereads of the story for sure right in the future i don't know if this will if it's just accept by now it's acceptance like yeah this is what it is yeah. and i'm not trying to nitpick the things it's just these are things that first reading they were there up to the third reading they were still there so they stand out and i i still applaud the different approach for sure um it's like you think you know the origin of two-face no (laughs) No, it's not in this earth no Um, way but it's i don't know doesn't work as well for me but that doesn't mean that the story sucks or anything like that from it either it's just eh, well, what did you think? Let's see if we're split on this one. Sure. 
What did you think about the speed ramp epilogue? Okay, perfect. That's where I wanted to go next. Um, I like where we ended up. I didn't like how quickly we got there, though. Oh, man, it was fast, right? There was a ton, and I will talk slowly as I open the book to that part so I can reference it more accurately. There we go. There's a So when I said a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of dialogue. A lot. Page. There's <laughs> balloons all over these pages. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit, we've only got four pages left. Um, it's all going in this one. Right. And let's go one by one. Sure. Uh, Robin. Right away. Okay. Tim Drake. <laughs> Parents killed by a clown. Parents killed by a clown. Clown, you say? A clown killed the flying Graysons? That's it. it. There you go. <laughs> Guess who's back in town? It's Barbara's Barbara. back in town. I'm dying to hear more about the Batman. That's it. Yep. Rags and tatters, and somebody's shop has just been yep. robbed and beaten should've, up. And as they're running out, should have just handed over the money, rag, rag man. man. And you yep. see the guy bleeding, and he's got his necklace, and that's it. And then you turn the page, and we've got the outsiders, people. And I'm like, okay, so in costume at the beginning, so I want to know how 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 much time after the main events of the story is this shot. It with with Croc, Ragman, Batgirl, Robin, Catwoman, Lucius, Alfred, Batman, Bat Dog, and Bat, Bat Dog. Dog. <laughs> I don't know if he's ace or not. Multiple Batmobiles. Multiple. Yeah, and a cycle. Yep. So yeah, and there's ninja swords and probably the shotgun that uh, Alfred used to kill Mayor Kalapais. <laughs> and a couple um, different Bat costumes. Which I liked this because this is where we started with Batman's story at the beginning of the book of right. finding a cave, which Killer Croc, Waylon, he was very instrumental in finding that one. Uh, but yeah, it's well, and let's we not just talk about let's let's not just talk about uh, Batman's buddies because we get a we get a hasty introduction of the oh, toy man. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, but let's let's wrap up the epilogue quick. Yeah, yeah, the we'll wait. Barbara part I liked because we she got teased at the end of Volume One. I thought she'd show up in volume two somehow. And instead she was overseas. She helped Gordon with something and was mentioned like twice. That's all yeah, very, very limited. And I'm also, as I've said before on the show, I don't like to do, well, this is what Jeff Johns could have done or any writer. Cause it's like, Hey, but guess what? He's the writer. You're not. It's very easy right. to sit here and say how great, guess what? They could have given me and said, go ahead, write it then Ryan guarantee you it would have sucked. Jeff Johns's version is so much better what he did with the story. So I'm not going to go that route, but I thought, oh, Outsiders, what a good way to introduce this Batgirl. And instead of using the Robin usual history has shown as showing that Batman needs a Robin, you can do the approach of the Batman animated series where it was Batgirl first and then Robin. And Batgirl could have been that door of showing like, see, it does help with a team. You need a team. You're putting a lot of faith in me to help. And that can help open the doors. I mean, granted, he did end up using Killer Croc. He ended up having Catwoman. So that that instead was kind of his uh his is uh what do you want to say? His growing, his test, if you if you want to say. But Batgirl wasn't as such of a surprise because it was okay, we saw her draw her own version of an outfit at the end of volume one. The Robin part was kind of a surprise. We don't need another Graysons are being killed. Uh but also you get, I mean, it's two panels. 
in which, yes, um, a lot can be said by just with no dialogue, but those two panels, you get those. Okay, you can kind of get it. But that that one seemed the most forced. And then for somebody who's not as DC Universe encyclopedia as me, it took Ragman. me a while. The Ragman part. Yeah. yeah. I was very yeah. much like... It's a deeper cut. The, and by his... his uh, it's the Star of David on his necklace, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, that, for some reason, I was like, why am I thinking Etrigan? Oh, yeah. No, that would be a, be a Pentagon, not a Star of David. Oh, okay. okay. Five point versus six. And, uh, and you're laughing like you, Lauer, you, there are many others of like you dumb ass. Yeah. But, but that, that took some Googling for me. Sure. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, traditionally Jewish, actually, I think in the new 52, for some reason they randomly made him Irish. Okay. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, he's traditionally Jewish, but Barbara was quick to accept kind of uh, teased before Robin. Okay. We know the history of Haley's circus and no, we're not beating around the bush. Uh, um, change the race. It yeah. Looks like okay. an African American kid here. Cool. I I don't care. That, nope. Not just saying that. We could stop the mic and I tell you, Garrett. I don't care. Cool. Nah, doesn't, doesn't matter, matter to me. me. Um, so we can we can tell right away. Okay, that's Robin. And the Ragman part was just kind of like the. Well, that's pretty random because then you get to that last page. Oh, Lucius. We have a history of Lucius. Alfred. We know that. Catwoman. We have that. Uh, Killer Croc. We have that. Uh, Bat Dog. We have that. Okay, you've got these two, these three additional characters. Well, one's Robin. We know Robin. One's Batgirl. We know a little bit of her in this world. They got a guy in a really tattered up little cloak. I know. Huh. You could have you could have had that be even like um, the Arkham video game world, Asriel or something, with just a tattered looking cloak. It you know it was it was obviously an intentional choice to include him. Um, John's must like the character because it really was neither here nor there for this. I thought. Um, in this epilogue so in between so you see the bat team yeah we talked about how bruce's evolution is of how he was going to help improve gotham as bruce was also a development in in this book and you see the new bright shining kind of like very bright very hope-filled yes. arkham asylum um or arkham institute i think it is actually it, it is arkham asylum welcome oh, to it? arkham asylum where oh yeah and it's got the found in everyone and asylum well, to me does not mean I know, straight out of star trek <laughs> right yeah well and that's why i i, I first questioned it first i didn't have the page open to see whether or not yeah, it yeah. was um, i just luckily institute had it open or arkham right yeah but it is the double a arkham or asylum kind of carries a different connotation for me sure um but it kind of felt like the book was maybe, I don't know if John's, this was on his radar or not, but you know, I complain about it. You complain about it every couple months. Some Yahoo on Twitter thinks they're super enlightened. Oh yeah. Hated. And you know, Batman is, is, you know, just a, a, a rich boy that, uh, you know, is privileged and uses his wealth to beat up on, you know, poor people with mental health issues, like the dumbest thing ever. I hate it. I hate yeah, every time. I, I don't see like it. it. Mm-hmm. I hate every time I see it and, and it's gotten like 10,000 likes and retweets. It's a dumb, dumb argument. Also because every person who says it acts like they just came up with it. Too. Yes. And it's there <laughs> every, every couple months, somebody's yeah. trying like taking that one for a spin. Um, I thought this was like this Bruce Wayne is, is saying, like they make a point that he's funding these things. Like mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne is spending his personal money. He is using the company to invest in the infrastructure of Gotham. 
Bruce is paying to himself to, you know, turn Arkham Manor into a homeless shelter with mental health help. And then at the end, you see him, you know, they've completed this building. It's, it's beautiful. And Bruce is making a difference for the people in Gotham that are struggling with his wealth instead of just beating up poor people. Oh, so feel so bad for those poor criminals. Yeah. And I, I love his Bruce's speech. And he says, we won't abandon those who are sick and need help. The Gotham mental hospital isn't the answer. And right. we have, we know what that means because when, so they transferred Adrian Arkham from Maine to Gotham and Bruce got the call and the doctor was explaining to him of, this is uh he says that it's Adrian Arkham, your grandfather. And then he, the doctor explains to him, uh, you'll see he has fresh bruises on his arms, a few lacerations on his back and bruises from what? And he goes, the orderlies were only doing their job, Mr. Wayne. He was extremely agitated when we brought him in. He fell into a glass cabinet and we didn't know who he was. We didn't know he was important. Oh, yeah. that sounded bad. I know. And then the exchange looks between the two. Yeah. And Bruce, it sure as hell did. So that right there, like that's smart writing and that it's not John's going to say, so we beat him up because we didn't think that he was anybody and didn't mean anything. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Then we realized he's in Arkham and he's related he's a to a rich the- guy's grandparent said a lot by saying a little and you know without it being too blunt of stuff of like oh this is how they're treating people it's like oh sh- yep. oh whoops that's what that's a relative of bruce wayne we got to stop that so yep. that small little bit because we don't need to spend a, a lot of time with it but then that's it's that's referred to later on by this of that gotham mental hospital isn't the answer why they're beating the shit out of their they patients. beat up people man yeah. it's not cool <laughs> like some um, draconian tactics here and so that just, I don't know, that worked for me. I like this approach of Arkham Asylum. And you can see with Bruce, if he's there, he wants to help. And like, we need to help the people. So absolutely. Now, because you brought it up and I interrupted you, let's cap off our episode with the the final part of, uh, of this. Well, we said, you know, in the introductory of, of uh, Dick Grayson here in the Flying Graysons that, you know, the Flying Graysons were killed by a clown. Now, maybe that's just a clown. If you're reading this your first time, you see that you're like, oh no, someone snuck into the circus and dressed as a circus clown and killed them. Or maybe it's something else. And that's something else we get on the very last page of the book. It is a full splash page reveal of a very, very menacing uh, figure with, you guessed it, pale, pale skin green stringy hair uh, it really dramatically receded hairline in this depiction okay. <laughs> and a um a purple suit and of course a bloody knife and a bloody or a bloody actually pitchfork type like uh like meat fork and an axe and it's somebody that's looking f- to the toy man's help to kill a lot of children and their pets just about as evil as you can get of course it is the clown prince of crime the joker big reveal to end the issue you know what it made me think of instantly? And it's funny for this on a couple different layers. I was like, that makes me think of Albert Sparma. Wait, who's Albert Sparma? The main bad guy that Jared Leto plays in this year's The Little Things. The Little Things. He walks almost that little bit of beer gut. He's got that bad receding hairline. The long hair looks greasy, yep. just looks greasy like stringy. Looks off. And then it's like, it's funny that that's the character I thought of, played by Jared Leto, who, as we know, has played the Joker. But. I was kind of, I was surprised by that end reveal. I thought, I think you and I have discussed that this seemed maybe like a five volume, five, yep. five volume story. 
and Joker would be the main the main event. Right. So it that was that was cool to me. The the use of Toy Man was a surprise. I mean, it was granted we saw it of the big night that everything went to hell with the guns and stuff. Toy Man is one. He's part of that plan. But the Joker reveal was like, oh, interesting. And that brings me to think of like this ended just like the last two books did. This didn't sure. have a finality to it. Like, right. okay, let the story go on in your head. It just felt like, nope, we have more to say. Well, it maybe, maybe, and maybe not, right? So I was, I've been back and forth on that because we saw the Riddler at the end of um, book one. We saw Catwoman at the end of book two. Here we see the Joker. But given everything that the story does in its concluding pages, this very much an epilogue feel, even though it isn't labeled an epilogue, I don't believe. Um, it also kind of felt like potentially it was John's getting everything in place. So you could imagine the future of this earth one universe. True. Let's gather up all the things that we want to be in this universe. You get them all in a very condensed package at the very end, Batman, Alfred, Croc, Robin, Batgirl, uh, Ragman, Catwoman, uh, Batdog, the cave, <laughs> toy man. And then boom, the Joker. Cause what iteration of Batman can ever exist without including the Joker. And then it's like, play with that in your brain. Let it, I mean, you could do that. I don't know if it's their intention. Obviously, Gary Frank said, you know, replied to your tweet, which is so rad, that they didn't know it was going to be marketed that way. But I do think if they never made another one of these, you've got all the pieces in place where you That's can true. continue the adventures for yourself. Okay. But if they okay. wanted to do, you know, Batman and the Outsiders Earth One Volume One or whatever, uh, and have a new trilogy that's more kind of prime Batman with the team together taking on his greatest nemesis, they could certainly continue the story. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> I think it's funny that his line is I'm nobody because it's kind of like, yeah, that's so unjoker. Like, I, I don't know. I'm the Joker, but it is kind of I'm nice. He's no, I like the, I always prefer Bat or Joker to, you know, either have the multiple choice yeah. uh, origin or identity or, or none at all. He's just simply an agent of chaos and exit, you know, sort of this um, right, bigger than life um, force of, of nature. So it's kind of nice that I'm nobody kind of, you know, to me leans in that direction. Um, so I thought it was cool. I thought, you know, great big reveal, uh, exclamation point on the end of the book. And, you know, if, if we don't get more, I'll certainly be imagining what it would have been like. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, so quickly before we do rapid fire, the final things, um, I don't know why I'm blanking on this, on this name, uh, Firefly. Yeah. Was that him with the flamethrower early on? Is that you what you thought right away? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, because that's what I thought too. And I said that to Pete and Pete laughed at me. And I'm like, no, well, I thought you're, so too. Oh, you're, you're mean. You're yep, mean. Firefly. Garfield Lens. Holy crap. Why am I yeah. blanking today? You didn't uh, have yeah. a jetpack, but that was him in my yeah. mind. Guy, like I just thought it wasn't said. It can be, or if you don't want it to be, it's not. Whatever. Um, that's just quickly another fun thing to where if we talk about this whole series some someday and we could just do a bullet point of the, the characters that we know that Johns has inserted into these three volumes, it's actually a lot more than you, than you really think. Oh, it's a lot for, for what Batman earth one um, presents itself as kind of a more narrow look at Batman in a tightly controlled 
setting. Like there's yeah. a lot of big Batman world stuff that, that made For its sure. way into the, these books. For sure. All right, Garrett, let's do this. You know, you know the drill. Let's do a favorite part of Batman Earth One Volume Three. Go. My favorite part is um, when Catwoman shows up to save Bruce's butt for the first time. Oh yeah. And he is doing the reconnaissance mission to find out what the plan is around the gun distribution, and a bad guy walks up. He's got a gun pointed to his back of his head. He's about to get taken out. And then Catwoman swings in, breaks through some, uh, I don't know, it's like a wall. She whips, you know, uses her whip to to whip some weapons away. And then they're fighting together and uh, they get a little smooch in there. I thought that was great. That felt like, although it didn't look like classic uh, Catwoman, it felt just like classic Batman and Catwoman to me. Yep. I, I do love that and how she, like she comes in and kisses him. He's totally surprised by it and how she even, she's in the window. I got what I came for. Yep, blows a kiss and she's gone yep. <laughs> it's, it's i don't it's me like well done now i could almost say that but and this is the weirdest thing i think for me to choose i love killer croc saving the dog yeah me too don't care i just love it i think it gets you so on even more on killer croc's side that you just know i i love this guy he is i'm on his side all the way he is great i, I don't know why select, i just love I almost it. <laughs> selected that part too I, I really enjoyed it uh how about a favorite panel Favorite panels early on in the book. It's actually a one page splasher. Mm. It is lit from behind. You get Batman, you get Bruce without the cowl on holding a sledgehammer just broke through the wall to reveal um, where they're going to set up the cave. Get bats flying in the background. I think the lighting um, from the reverse, you know, Bruce really in silhouette with a bunch of dust and stuff billowing down was really great. Um, second page after you get past the intro of adrian i i do think in like i can't say anything i haven't said about gary frank before that gary frank is awesome one of the best people in comics right now i think for sure his his art is just fantastic um and there's a lot of full page full page uh images here that he did that's really cool i i do love the one of batman like there's one of batman with jumping out from the explosion that's really cool really good there's uh, the two-page spread with Catwoman kicking. It's really good. There's one of him walking through fire, and he says, you're pissing me off or something. That's really good. I think, though, that my winner is at the end of the Outsiders in the new cave. That's another image. It's a strong image where you can even Yeah, that could be like, a poster on your wall for sure. And there's just a lot of you – can, you can make up a story with that image itself, which is something I always go back to when selecting favorite panels for this. Uh, how about um, – I mean, more of the same. Would you like to see this adapted somehow? Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's probably a condensed version of all three volumes that would make a great 90-minute animated movie, and I would be all in for that. I think it'd yeah. be a ton of fun, especially if you can try to get a little of that Gary Frank aesthetic to it. Um, I would be super into that. You could probably do more of it and make it like, you know, if not a full two hours, an hour 45, and it would it would move along just fine. I, it'd be, t I think the books would be tough. So volume one would be tough to do as one movie to cram one and two. It's like, Oh, I, I would feel you would need some more space. I don't If this becomes four volumes, I think you could do a part one and part two and do all four of them in a two part movie. Go, go that route. So yeah, you could do, you could do that if you want. And that would be your more Batman year one, 
uh, slash the Dark Knight Returns yeah. type. I think you could do the Long and, Halloween. Yeah, Long Halloween, where it's more you know page to screen. <laughs> yeah, I think you could do a influenced by or homage to or adaptation of of mm-hmm. you know you you'd lose different parts of the, of the, the storyline through the three volumes. But if you wanted to do something like that, I think you could make it one movie. Otherwise, a two-parter, if you wanted to be more literal, would be, would be I would never say more. Yeah. Ne- never, never say no to more bad content. Never. Uh, and Gr- Mr. Grev, why don't you give us your final thoughts on Batman Earth 1 Volume 3? Yeah, really enjoyable. Um, I like it probably just as well as Volume 1. I don't like it quite as well as Volume 2. If I was going to give it a grade, I think it's like, man like the best B plus you've ever given anything. Maybe Um, I think the the story gets a little bit um, less sharp than I would like it in some areas because it's just doing so much, but the writing is, I I think it's telling a great story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very smart where it needs to be smart. It's super fun where it needs to be fun. And if you want to nitpick at some stuff in here, you can, but um, I was along for the ride enough that it didn't matter as much for me. And the art, as always, just absolutely gorgeous. I'm glad you talked about the coloring on this because there's they introduced this sort of like orange palette theme to the yeah. book that wasn't present in the first two volumes. I thought it did um, something really interesting um, and, and kind of progressed the art through the book. So again, like the best B plus you've ever got given something, I suppose. Copy and paste pretty much everything you said. I wrote a review on Batman on film about it in which I had a B in my mind for the longest time. And right before I sent I sent the review over to Bill, the post, I changed it and I threw a plus at the end. Because I'm like, I, I think this, I know it's stupid, but us nerds understand. B plus. And I'm like, because I know that there's some decisions, which I've even talked about now, that I'm like, I don't necessarily like it, but reading it through, it makes sense for this version. So you can't give a lesser grade because it's not what you want when it's like it justifies itself. So I did that. And on and, and top of that, there's like a way more good that I really enjoy than than uh, the bad. So I'm, I'm all about it. I think it's great. I hope uh, people who are listening to this have already read it um, because otherwise we just spoiled the hell out of it. Uh, but yeah, I think Batman Earth 1 Volume 3 is another great addition. I hope it's not the end, but Garrett convinced me if it is. Uh, we can create this the story goes on in our head and it will be choose oh. choose your own adventure yeah yes. it'll be all choose right choose your own adventure so mr greb i can't thank you enough for joining me again after you were just on after you just preached the the meaning of kingdom come for hours to me that you're back talking some more and uh waxing more poetic to our to our listeners so where can people find you well, it's great to be back. It had been like, you know, I think we went on like a 10 episode uh, spree of no Garrett. So, you you know, double, <laughs> double up in the last couple. <laughs> if you liked listening to me on the last couple episodes, you can hear me on the Batman on film podcast. I'm the host for the websites podcast there. Hopefully you are subscribed and listen away. You can get more Ryan Lauer on that show too. Um, if you want to read words that I write instead of just listen to words that I say, you can check out my uh, comic and film reviews over at batmanonfilm.com. And if you would like to interact with me, I love talking about Batman, Superman, Masters Universe. There's a ton of Masters Universe stuff going on right now. Just about anything else you can think of in the geek world, along with fantasy football and the Minnesota Vikings, of course. Um, you can follow me over on Twitter at Garrett Wato. That is at G-A-R-R-E-T-W-A-T-O. Would love to talk to you more. Thanks. Of course. Uh, as for me, 
You can follow the Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for questions or comments and some giveaways, uh, new episode drops, upcoming episodes, yada, 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 all that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan Lauer, spelled like lower. I have held off on the Q&A recording episode that I sent out for questions a few weeks ago because I'd realized, oh, Kingdom Comes is coming up. And then I knew Garrett and I were going to drop this Earth One Volume 3. So if you have any questions that you'd like to send our way or comments at all about the show in general, Batman comics or specifically kingdom come and batman earth one volume three send them to the batman bc at gmail.com or you can go ahead and message me through twitter or something and yeah the recording for that's going to probably happen pretty soon if you'd like to support the show you can buy some merchandise uh from t public the store on t public t-shirts hoodies stickers onesies for your little babies or even you want a flag to to wave out in your front yard so everybody knows it's the batman book club you can go to t public a link of that is on the twitter page but if you would like to support the show and you don't want to spend any money that is 100 okay you can rate and review the show on apple podcasts a link to that page is in the description of this episode the more reviews we get the more it helps spread the word and as we all know the word is panic so for mr minnesota i am ryan lauer and until next time read more batman comics